Therefore, gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the verse we focus on. Peter begins by saying, therefore, having girded up the loins, the hips of your mind. It's an image of, in those days, people wearing flowing clothes, not able to run easily in those clothes, reaching down between their legs and and pulling the back skirt up and tucking it in their belt. That's the way you gird up your loins. So you turn a robe into running shorts, in other words. Okay? That's the way you do it. And you can move. And you're not hindered by this ordinary domestic way of dressing. That's his first image. Do that to your mind. To your mind. The mind needs to move. It needs to be free. It needs to act. The second image is, and being sober. So he's talking about a mental, spiritual alertness, avoiding anything that numbs and intoxicates the mind to spiritual things. So two images, girding up the mind, ready for action, and avoiding mental inebriation. And then the third thing, hope fully. Fix your hope completely. Now, This is the first command in 13 verses. There's not been anything he's told you to do up till this time. Up till this time, he has been celebrating, bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus with all the reasons of verses 3 through 12. He's been exulting and worshiping and celebrating salvation and celebrating grace. And now, with a grand therefore, comes the first command. And the reason I say it's the first command, hopefully, is because those first two that are translated in virtually all of your translations as imperatives are in the Greek participles, having girded up the loins of your mind, being sober, now the command, hope. It's not wrong to translate those as imperatives because they get their imperative command power from the main verb, which is hope. But it's important to know that the main verb and the main command in the sentence is hopefully. And that the previous two, girding up the mind and being sober, are means to the end of that central command. And we're to do this and do this, gird the mind, be sober, to that end. That's the main thing. Now, that's very crucial as you see the relationships here. And the last thing he does is focus on the The content of the hope. Hope in the grace that is being born to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the main commandment and first commandment is hope in grace fully. Fully hope in grace. That's the commandment. That's the main point of this verse. Hope in grace. Hope in grace. Now, the therefore, we passed over that word too quickly at the beginning, or wherefore, if you have an old version, therefore emphasizes the connection between hope and all the grace of God that he's been talking about for these 
12 verses that went before. Therefore, fix your hope completely. Why? Well, let's just let's just rehearse it. Since verse one, God has chosen you since verse three, God has caused you to be born again since verse four. He's keeping an inheritance for you, imperishable, undefiled and unfading since verse five. He's protecting you through faith. Since, verses 6, he is providentially refining your faith through afflictions. Since, verse 8, he's enabling you to swim with the stroke of love and, and faith and joy. Since, verse 10 to 13, he has moved prophets and angels to lean over to get excited about what he's doing in your life. Since all of that, therefore, hope in it. Hope in it. Hope in it. Fully. He doesn't want a half-hearted hope. Hope in grace. That's what I've been talking about for 12 verses. The salvation or the grace which reaches its consummation and climax at the coming of the Lord. Hope in it and not in other things. That's the main point of the verse. Hope in it. Christianity is not first an ethic. Christianity is not first a faith. Christianity is not first a feeling. Christianity is not first a theology. Christianity is first the sovereign, free, initiative-taking action of God. That's Christianity first. God chose you. God calls you to be born again. God is keeping an inheritance. God raised Jesus from the dead. God is guarding you through faith. God is using fire to refine you. God, 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 for 12 verses. Now, here comes the command. Hope in it. That's the second half of Christianity. Christianity is first God acting and then you hoping in that action. Christianity is not first God delighting in what you can perform for Him in your strength. Christianity is first God delighting in your hoping in what He can perform for you in His strength. You remember about four, five years ago, I preached a sermon on Psalm 147, 10 and 11. God does not delight in the strength of the horse nor take pleasure in the legs of a man, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His steadfast love. What pleases and delights the heart of God is not what you can do for Him, but what you hope He will do for you. And the measure of your hope is how much you look to Him to do it. Today and when Jesus comes, that's the point of the verse. That's Christianity. Can you feel the essence of Christianity pulsating in this book? Twelve verses of God's action. And now the first command, not work. That will come. But the first command and the most important command and the essential command is hope in it. Fully. Don't be a half-hearted hoper. Don't take this hope casually as though a little bit is enough. Hope fully in this 
grace that he's been describing. It's no accident that we have a sign on the east side of the building, Hope in God. And if you're driving in off the freeway, a banner over the educational building that says Hope in God. It's because hope in God is the essence of Christianity. Hope in what God does. Hope in what God did. Hope in what God will do. Put your whole hope in it. And then, he doesn't leave this command to hope dangling. He gives you two ways to go about it. So let's go back to these images of girding up and being sober. A few words on these. What does it mean when he says, gird up the loins of your mind as a means to hoping? Now mark that, it's having girded up the loins of your mind, hope. Okay, the connection is this is a way to do it. If you were to respond to the preacher at this point in the message and say, "Okay, I got it. I'm supposed to hope fully in all of that. How do I do it? Are there any steps I can take or I'm to be passive and wait until hope happens in my head and heart? And his answer is no, don't be passive. I wrote a star article a few weeks ago about what I see as the danger of passivity, both theologically, if you're a Calvinist like I am, and psychologically, if you live in a therapeutic age today where we hope healing will happen to us. Now, both of those are dangers. This verse clearly avoids those dangers and shows you how to avoid them. The first image is gird up the loins, the hips of your mind. Turn your robes into running shorts. Now, what does that mean practically? I think it means engage your mind. Let your mind be preoccupied with run in truth that comes from Scripture about grace and God. Now, there are two reasons why I think that. It doesn't say that in the verse, that truth is the thing you gird your mind up with, but the two reasons I think it. Number one is from the next verse, which we'll talk about next week, but let me just read it to you. Do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in ignorance. Okay? Now, if you were driven by hopes and desires that were contrary to God's will and destructive to your life because you were in ignorance than the way to cultivate having hopes that are life-giving and saving, namely hope in God, is to get rid of that ignorance. Namely, replace it with truth. That's the first reason. I think truth is implied in girding up the loins of your mind. Think on truth. I just memorized yesterday that great, great verse, therefore, brothers, if there is anything that is true, if there is anything that is honorable, if there is anything that is just, if there is anything that is pure, if there is anything that is lovely, if there is anything that is praiseworthy, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on it, think on it, think on it, think, 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 use your mind, gird it up, don't lie down, don't be passive, set it. I think that's the first thing. 
My second reason for thinking that is because the one other place in the New Testament where the image of girding up is used for your mind and heart, namely Ephesians 6.14, Paul says, gird yourself with truth. Gird up your loins with truth. He says it. And I think it would not be wrong to translate his verse, therefore stand in hope having girded your loins with truth. So Peter's first practical suggestion to you this morning, if you respond, how do I hope? Where do I get strength to hope? Where do I get inspiration to hope? His answer is, put on the running shorts of your mind and run in the field of truth. Don't lie down in front of the television. It is not a field of truth. Run! You find it. It's right here. This is the field of truth over against the world. So what he means now when he says, gird up the loins of your mind is, engage the mind with truth in the service of hope. Engage the mind with truth in the service of hope. The second practical suggestion he gives is be sober. Being sober, keep on being sober unto hope. This is your second means. This is my second practical suggestion, he says, so that you can be a people who are not half-hopers, but full-hopers, complete-hopers in God. What does it mean? What does he mean, being sober? I think he means, don't drink anything into the mind that numbs it to the value of God's grace. Don't drink anything into the mind that numbs the mind and the heart to God's grace. Don't let your mind become inebriated by anything but God. Let me use an illustration here. If Noel and I choose vacation spots, uh, Noel would more generally choose the ocean. And I would more generally choose the mountains. Now, there are various reasons for this difference. One is found in this text. That's how I get into trouble. <laughs> Buttressing my opinions with the Bible. To go to an ocean, you've got to go to a beach. And on a beach, it seems that over the years, the designers of women's bathing suits um, have found increasingly creative ways of arresting the attention of men. Now, my concern for me at that point is not primarily that I will be seduced by one of these scantily clad females into cheating on Noel and committing adultery. My concern is way back upstream from that. Namely, if I understand this text right, 
My passion on vacation should be to stay sober unto hope. That is, not to let anything intoxicate and numb my mind to the value of the glory of the grace of God. And I know from 34 years of experience that to dwell long upon or to return often to a sexual sensation precisely intoxicates my mind in that direction. It precisely numbs me to the glory of God. I'll choose the mountains, thank you, because I want God. Now, that may be exactly why Noel goes to the beach. Look at the ocean. She'd give a rip about these other women. Look at the ocean. It is big. It is deep. It is heavy like the love of God. And there are nights when I get that too. And nobody else is around. Just an illustration, and it isn't the only one. It may be, for many, the main one. But if it isn't your intoxicant dragging you down away from the fullness of hope in the glory of grace, then try money, career, power, Romance novels, soap operas, TV advertisements, fishing, coin collecting, computers, rehabbing, gardening, or anything else in this world that leaves you less in love with God. Anything. And if you catch the burden of this verse, you will say, No! I will not be enslaved or intoxicated or inebriated or numbed out by anything so that when I stop doing it, I have to work hard to love God again. I have to work hard to go to church and worship. I have to work hard to want to pray or to read the Bible. You know what those things are. This verse says, be sober by don't drink them, don't see them, don't hear them, flee from them. Why? Because you're world-denying? No! Because you're God-affirming anything, anything, anything that kindles the purity and passion of your love for God, move in on it with power. And anything that pulls you out of that purity and that passion and that fullness of hope in God, flee it! Flee it! There are just so many Christians who coast my heart's desire as I close is to just beg of you, catch the spirit of this text. Let God do a new thing in your heart this morning. God doesn't want you to coast in the Christian life. That is to say, oh, I believe. Click. Oh, I believe. Click. He wants you to go for it. For broke, gird it up, gird it up, put on your shorts. You see that? I mean, what does that mean? Please do that. Let's do it as a church. Engage your minds with hope-producing truth and guard your minds by avoiding hope-destroying causes in the world. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, 
Oh, Lord, I want so much for coasters to become runners. You have given us so much grace and so much salvation and so much glory. It is such an awful contradiction of its value to just say, ho-hum, yeah, I've got that. I made a decision once. Click. Lord, speak this word. Therefore, having girded up the loins of your mind and being sober, hope fully in grace that is being brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, not mine, but the Holy Spirit's, you might abound fully in hope. And all the people said, Amen.